This episode is brought to you in part by Thomas Nelson, publisher of Now and Not Yet. Pressing in when you're waiting, wanting, and restless for more. Written and narrated by best-selling author Ruth Cho Simons and is available everywhere audiobooks are sold. Friends, welcome to the Grace Enough podcast. I am your host, Amber Cullum. Each episode, I sit down with a guest to discuss their life journey and how the grace of God has impacted them along the way. After listening to today's episode, I hope you are encouraged that God can use you right now in the midst of your day-to-day life. Yes, it requires daily surrender and trust, but we must remember His grace is enough. I've heard it said often, there's just something about gathering around a table, and I agree. Time slows down, people begin to talk and laugh and eat. The meal finishes, but people linger there. It can bring incredible joy. This week, I chat with Sarah Harmeyer, the founder of Neighbors Table. Despite working a job she enjoyed, she found herself a young, exhausted professional. Through multiple conversations, she began to realize God had given her a passion to gather people around the table to connect over food and conversation. She eventually asked her dad if he would build her a table that would seat 20 people. He said yes, and that is what we talk about today. Sarah's journey of shifting from a life of doing to a life of being present and gathering people and helping others gather people through Neighbors Table. Listen to what Sarah says about loving and gathering people. I think people gathering probably looks a little like evangelism with like a dinner napkin wrapped around it, you know? And so I just love people. I remember in college, I told my professor, I wish I could major in love. I just want to love And that literally has been my heart. And I can trace that thread through my career and my work. But now we say neighbor's table is a love mission. Like I want to be really missional about the way that we love people and not in like a project kind of way, but in like a real genuine as a believer, I have a light of Christ inside of me and it leaks out and people see that. So I don't know. The table for me is an opportunity to share that love with people. So friends, you are in for a treat today. My hope is after listening to today's episode, you are encouraged to ask Jesus what passion he has placed in your heart and for a next step to use that passion to love people. Good morning, Sarah. Thank you so much for taking the time to be on the Grace Enough podcast this morning. Hey, Amber, so happy to be here with you. Will you take a few moments and introduce our listeners to you and to Neighbors Table? Sure. So my name's Sarah Harmeyer. I'm the founder and chief people gatherer at Neighbors Table. Uh, I live here in Dallas, Texas, and my story kind of started back when I moved to Dallas. I was new to the city in 2010, and 2011, I was working for a national children's hospital uh, as a fundraiser. And maybe like a lot of young professionals, if you're in that stage of life, I had my identity totally wrapped up in my work. And so I had a dear friend and pastor friend of mine that said, you know, Sarah, I want to help you reshift your identity back into Christ. And we met for a good three months in 2011. And in that process, I definitely learned to not strive as much and to really rest in who God made me to be. And come to find out, God made me a people gatherer. And my friend really helped me realize that. And 
um, I started getting real intentional about living into the way God made me in 2012. So I thought back to the very best moments of my life, and they were always around the table. Um, This is a crazy story, Amber, but when I was in grad school, uh, I had a cafe out of my house super illegally. Wow. (laughs) I literally (laughs) played restaurants. And it was the best year of my life. I literally would have like the menu on my answer machine and people would call and say, I like to make a reservation for four at 11 o'clock on Wednesday. And it's, I just played restaurant. I was in grad school. So all my classes were at night. I had a little bit of work in the afternoon on campus, but I had the mornings and lunchtime free. So uh, it was just crazy fun. And I put a mason jar on the table and say, pay me whatever you want, like, I literally played restaurant. It was hilarious. Well, when I got to thinking about like how I might gather people, I kept coming back to that year because something felt like all boosters were firing. You know, like when you're doing that thing that you're just made to do, there was so much joy around that year. So I was like, there's something about the table for me and maybe I'll just gather people around a table. It didn't sound super spiritual. It didn't seem like anything extraordinary, but I was like, that's where I love to do. And I think God made me to gather people at the table. So um, my house is kind of small here in Dallas and my yard isn't terribly big, but I had a little bit more room for a larger table out there. And I just envisioned a table for 20. Like it felt like a big enough experience, but still intimate enough. We could have one conversation if we wanted to. And I asked my dad to build me a table big enough to seat 20. And he had never built a table before. And I told him I wanted just the simple farmhouse style look with benches. And he made a beautiful table. And we put chandeliers overhead from the tree. And I got real intentional in 2012 about gathering people. Uh, I set a goal to serve 500 people that year. I'm real goal-oriented, like maybe a lot of young professionals are. And I just knew I wanted to do it, so I set a goal. So one dinner party after another, uh, we gathered people that first year. And there's some fun stories that went along with that first year. But I was still learning, like, how to rest in just gathering people and not striving for perfection and all those things that keep us stuck. On Thanksgiving Day that year, the 500th guest walked down the driveway and everyone cheered. I had made a sash and a crown that said 500 on it. She had no clue what was going on. (laughs) And I filled her in. (laughs) You're a really big deal. Like you just walked down my driveway as a 500th guest. But Every person that sat at my table, I feel like I've just had this, um, I've just tucked that experience away in my heart. You know, I still remember Michelle, the 500 guest. She brought her aunt squash casserole that day. She was a single mom. Uh, she had three kids running around. Her daughter had a camera in her hand. Like, there's so many things that I just remember about these moments. And we were cre- creating moments just last night around this table. So, Years later, over 3,000 people have sat at this table, but the best part of what we now call Neighbor's Table is my friend called me about a year and a half then, and he was like, Sarah, I see God getting a lot of glory around your table, and I wonder if he has something outside your own yard, and I honestly had no clue what that meant. Like I was like, I can't imagine anything sweeter than what's happening at the table, and I started thinking there's other people wired just like me. Yeah. There's other people gathers in the world. 
what if I could find those people and what if I could cheer them on? What if there's even people that just want to live out that way, that invitation we got to love our neighbors? Um, what if I could just cheer those people on and what if they needed a tool or a home base like I did with a table? So I called dad and said, would you be up for building tables for other people? And he said, yeah. And we started calling him the chairman of the boards, which is hilarious. And, um, we just have had fun ever since. So we didn't really know what we were getting into. Um, I knew other people were interested in doing the same thing, but, it is now launched into a business, which obviously I never started gathering in my own yard and with intention to do right. that. But Neighbors Table is my full-time job now. I've been doing that since September of 2017. And we build handcrafted tables and deliver them all across the country and cheer people on to love their neighbors. So it is a super fun thing. I feel like people that are getting our tables have a heart to love the people closest to them. And they're a part of something bigger than just their own yard. Like I am like, I love the weekends because my phone blows up with pictures of people gathering from the East coast to the West coast. And I love staying in touch. It's a real personal thing. So People might say we're in the table business, but I really like to think we're in the people business. So yes. I just want people to feel the love, to put it simply. So, and that's God's love. Take us back to that first, you know, when you started really realizing, like, I know I'm a gatherer of people. So this is the first step. Who were the people that you invited at first? Yeah. So I really did want to get to know my community. Right. I was still pretty much new to Dallas. Um, I only knew two neighbors when I started, Anita and Stephanie, who still live next door to me. At the time we had, Next Door had just come out. Next Door is a social app for neighborhoods, if your listeners are familiar with that. We had about 300 neighbors on that side at the time. And I just used that as a way to connect with the people closest to me. So I that first party, I actually printed an invitation and mailed it to them. I put a stamp on it, the people that were closest to me. And that was the 300 neighbors that I had. I've never done that since, but I just felt like... So you, the first time, sent 300 invitations? Yeah, yeah. That is incredible. Did you... So I want to know, though, like, what did you say, hey, I'm having, you know, this is my backyard. I want you to come, but I need you to bring food because there's no way I can feed 300 people. Yes, yeah. Well, I wasn't assuming 300 would come. Like, here's a stranger neighbor, like, saying, hey, I'm having a potluck. Would you bring a beverage and a dish to share? I'll have everything else. And I literally just had plates, forks, ice, cups, and everyone else brought everything. Well, um, my neighborhood's called So Hip in in Dallas, not because we're hip at all. but um, (laughs) That's a great name, though. (laughs) So Hip, right? Um, South of Highland Park. And I... I put an invitation together and I even called it the So Hip, So Hip Soiree. And I said, literally, I said, if you've never stepped outside of your house, would you consider coming this night? I don't know my neighbors and I'd love to get to know you. It was like literally that honest. And um, Amber, 91 people showed up (gasps) that night, one person after another. And I just could not believe it. I learned that night that people just want to be invited. There's something special about being invited to the table. Now, 
my table for 20 became a, a small table at that moment. Right. People were standing. It was great. It was fine. Um, we pulled every table out of the house and my neighbor brought some tables down and we made it happen. But I'll never forget that first night. And we were, we ran out of name tags. Like I don't do name tags normally, but for these larger parties I do. And I was learning names and putting faces and say, okay, what street do you live? And oh, you're the third house down. And Everyone connected that way. So I've done, you know, several parties since then where I just do a blanket invite and neighbors come. So it well, was amazing. That's my question about the neighbors who are still in your neighborhood. I mean, are so many of those people still connected? Um, I mean, yeah. I know you can easily learn a name. Yeah. But do you feel like some true, you know, connections have happened that have actually grown over the last four or five years? Yeah, I think uh, I'm not close, closely connected with all of them, but I've probably got five, six neighbors close to me that are like my people. For an example, I have a neighbor that we have thrown parties together. She actually got married, eloped in November of last year, and she asked me to throw the party when she got back. And that was such a huge honor that I got to do that. We had a hamburger guy here flipping hamburgers. It was super casual, but so fun and just the way that she would want it. So um, there's stuff like that. We have alleyways in Dallas. So in our backyards, there's an alley that separates our neighbors behind us. And so people walk their dogs back there. My rule at my house is there's no private party. So if any neighbor sees like there's an open seat, they can join me. I pass plates of food over the fence, like people stop and say hello and all of that. So I, I've had some really special encounters with my neighbors. And as I've gotten to know them, I have opportunities to share my faith and kind of who I am. The best part, though, Amber, is people just know me as the party girl in the neighborhood. And as a believer, I love being known as the party girl. <laughs> like, I love that. Are you an Enneagram? Like, do you do the Enneagram at all? Yeah, you know, I'm a nine. You're a nine. Okay, I was wondering if you were a seven because, you know, they all... Okay. I love a good time, but yeah. So it's just hilarious that people know... They don't even know neighbor's table is a thing. A few neighbors do, my closer ones. But most people just think I'm the girl that throws parties, which I love. So. Well, because it's an, it's a genuine, authentic thing that started for you. And then the business yeah. just came as a result of you actually doing what you love to do, which is, totally. isn't that all of our dreams, right? Like to do what <laughs> we truly love to do and what God's gifted us in. Yeah. Well, we're kind of going a little bit backwards here, but I, I love it when people come on to just hear a little bit about their faith journey. And so, you know, you're this someone who loves to gather people. And obviously you've said that God has set that in your heart and you know it, but sometimes it's so hard to live out our giftings. Cause like you said as well, we get caught up in this rat race almost of post-college, whatever professional life. Take yeah. us back and share a little bit of your faith journey with us and kind of how, you know, you discovered that you were that people gatherer. I grew up in a home that went to church, um, but my faith really became real to me my freshman year of high school. So um, that's where I got a Bible that I still use to this day. Like I, the cover's falling off of it at this point. But 
something really became rich to me about that relationship with Jesus. And um, high school was a turning point for me. So my freshman year, I say that is when I came to faith in Christ. My junior year of high school, Amber, my mom passed away from cancer. And it's when everything's just knocked out from under your feet that faith was the only thing I had to hang on to. And there was some there was some healthy grieving. There was some unhealthy grieving. Right. Like, you know, my dad quickly was like, your mom's in heaven. It's a celebration. I was like, but it's sad. Like mm-hmm. we were kind of like balancing that a little bit. But um, I think I've had different seasons of growth. But going back a few, just a few years ago when um, my dear friend Eric just helped me realize, you know, when I was a people gathered, there was a ton of growth. And that was one conversation in our three months of gathering where he just poured into me and just explained a lot of different things that really grew my faith, really grew a lot of things that I stand on now to this day. And I think I gather differently because of that time and that growth together. So it really, I think people gathering probably looks a little like evangelism with like a dinner napkin wrapped around it, Mm -hmm. you know? And so I just love people. I remember in college, I told my professor, I wish I could major in love. I just want to love people. And that literally has been my heart. And I can trace that thread through my career and my work, but now we say neighbor's table is a love mission. Like I want to be really missional about the way that we love people and not in like a project kind of way, but in like a real genuine, as a believer, I have a light of Christ inside of me mm-hmm. and it leaks out and people see that. So I don't know. The table for me is an opportunity to share that love with people. So, um, well, and it's interesting to hear you talk about, you know, just how much you love gathering around the table because I had just listened to Jeff Bethke this last week preach. Um, yeah. And he was talking about in like Jewish culture and Amish culture, they retain like 95 to 97% of their children stay in their faith. And a lot of it has, the studies have shown it's because of how much of their life and how much of their discipleship is completed around the table. Wow. Not, not in a church building. Yes, they meet in those places, but that is not where most of their discipling is happening. Wow. It's actually happening around the table powerful, powerful message that I completely agree with. I'd like to take a moment to introduce you to this week's sponsor, Dwell Differently. Dwell helps people connect with God through a monthly scripture memory service that helps you get God's word off the page and into your mind and heart. What makes Dwell different? They take the first letter of each word in a verse and string them together in a unique design. Each month you receive temporary tattoos, keychain tags, and a print of that month's first design. Every time you see the image, you can recall what each letter represents, and eventually you have the verse memorized. Y'all, the tattoos are so cool and also a conversation piece. Memorizing God's Word is a fantastic way to impact your thought life, your actions, and overall outlook on life. But these designs do not just have individual impact. People see them and ask what the Dwell Tattoo means, giving you the opportunity to share God's Word with others. Dwell posts daily encouragement on Instagram and Facebook, along with Sunday Night Live on Instagram at 8 p.m. Central, where they discuss the monthly verse. 
Click over and follow along at Dwell Differently. To learn more about this life-changing memory tool, visit www.dwelldifferently.com. Now, back to this week's episode with Sarah Harmeyer. What does it look like when Sarah now gathers a group of people around the table? Like food, conversation, like how do you go about making that happen in 2019? Okay, I'll take you back to just last night when we gathered. We gathered for tacos last night. And surprisingly, I had never served tacos at my table. I've served like every meal. And here we are in Texas, like the capital of tacos. But anyways, we gathered. People asked me what they could bring. And I said, why don't you bring this? Why don't you bring that? And everyone showed up with stuff. We literally had taco fixings on the table. I prepared the meat. Another friend had uh, prepared carne asada, some pork meat. When people get there, I introduce each other. There was a ton of new people to the table last night, probably six or seven I'd never met before. And that's always exciting when there's just new people and new circles meeting. I'm way past the point of like being worried about people connecting um, that I know know each other or that they're the same. I want them to connect, but I want people to experience the richness of listening to other people's stories. So that was a lot of what last night was. When people walk down the driveway, I offer them a drink. I connect them to someone new. Um, they get started having conversations probably for the first 30 minutes. We're waiting for people to get there. We're gathering, connecting, that sort of thing. I circle everyone up before we get started at the table, and I do a quick introdu- introduction of everyone by name, and then I tell them what I love about them, even if I just met them 10 minutes before when they walked on the driveway. And it's really fun to hear something that someone loves about you. I just see the smile creep out of their heart on their face. And they there's something about being known. And people say that a lot. So we just go around and introduce. And it's something so quick. Like last night, my friend Tess was there. And we had just traveled to Mexico together. And I was like, you guys, Tess is a champion of refugees here in Dallas. She and her husband have a nonprofit and it's unbelievable to see the way she does life with a lot of people that are new to our country. Um, if you're sitting by test, you need to get to know her heart because it's unbelievable. And then we'll go to Brandon next. And I'm like, this is Brandon. I'll just put it this way. There was a bunch of us girls talking about him last night. Cause he's such an awesome guy. And mm-hmm. Ashley's super lucky to be dating him and she's she's right here. She's in from Austin, you know, something so simple or whatever. And then what I do is I will kind of tell people what I hope we would experience at the table, which is kind of different. And I've always done it from the very beginning, but I'll say things like, I hope we would, we would experience each other. And I hope that we would all be a part of the experience tonight. I know I'm hosting, but I want us to all be in. So if you see water glasses low, if you want to go fill up more guacamole in the kitchen, like bring it out for everybody else. Or if you want to clear plates or help bring food out, if you want to load the dishwasher, I always (laughs) add that one in. It works. Everybody's in. And that's exactly what happened last night. I encourage people to do more listening than talking, which is an interesting thing to think about. What does that mean? And I said, listen to each other's stories, you know, instead of feeling like I got to figure out how 
I connect or how I think differently and being ready with an opinion. Like, what if we just made space for each other? We eat family style at my table. So I said, if you want... If you want the chips three feet down, yell at someone and say, pass me the chips and um, we'll just all be a part of it. So then I ask if it's okay if I pray. Not everyone shares the same faith with me. So I ask it as a question. No one's ever said no. But if you're new to my backyard and you're new to just even knowing me, I want people to have a first little glimpse of, and they might see it before this, but I want them to know we're going to start with prayer and and invite God to our experience at the table. Mm -hmm. So um, I always set the table with place cards because I want people to not feel like they're in junior high with their lunch tray going, where am I going to sit? I just met these people. And so it's a simple index card folded over with a Sharpie with their name on it. it. And I'll say something like, I've been thinking about you all day. I'm so excited you're here. And I've got a seat just for you. And I hope you'll connect with the people around you. So we'll sit down. A lot of times I'll say, I know there's a lot of different conversations happening down the table. But maybe at one point in the evening, we can have one conversation together. And uh, we'll do that. That didn't happen last night. But most nights it it does. So. I lingered at the table a long time and different people got up and rinsed dishes, loaded the dishwasher, the music kept playing and probably the last guest left about 9.30 last night. So yeah. it was a school night, as That's... they say. Um, so everyone had to work this morning and stuff like that. But it was a blast. It's still just as fun to me after all these people and all these years to gather people. And now that I'm on the road a lot more, I don't right. get to do this as often. So I'm I'm gathering with people when I deliver tables now. So well, that's, that's what I was going to say. So how often do you typically host at your house or is now it just kind of depends on when you're in town? Yeah, when I'm in town and, and right now, well, I probably shouldn't say how much I'm home. <laughs> no, that's right. Yeah, I travel a lot. So I'm not getting to do it as often as, as I do, but I'm here this whole week. So I thought, okay, I'm going to get one in on Sunday. Um, there might be a reason I've got leftovers. So maybe we'll have taco Tuesday and I'll follow up with another tomorrow. But literally I don't plan ahead too far if the weather's good. Uh, we've got some rain in the forecast this week, but, uh, if the weather's good, I try to pull it together and invite people and people know if they can't come this time, there'll be another invite, you know, soon. So we'll tell our listeners as time passed and you began, like you said, to notice one of your friends pointed out, like, this could be something that other people, you know, you can point other people in that direction of, hey, I think you're a people gatherer too. Walk us through kind of how the business, not just how it got started, but kind of how it took off and what you do now. I mean, why are you traveling that much? Because there's probably plenty of people who have never even heard of Neighbors Table. And and I think your dad ended up moving to Dallas or just, I don't know, tell us that story. Sure, sure. So when we started, we just started letting people know. There had been a handful of people that said, I'd love a table. Do you think your dad would build one for me? Um, I love this, that actually the very first table went to a college student. Um, Her parents bought this table and they knew immediately. They had known me for a while and I said, this is Avery. I know this is her. And let's surprise her. We got to surprise her down at Baylor in Waco, Texas on homecoming weekend with the table. And they had planned a surprise gathering and all this stuff. 
and that semester they literally got together. She'd call it pizza and pals night. And they would literally just order pizza and they'd sit around the table like little adults, but in college form, like it was so fun to see. Um, And from there, just one after another took off those kind of in Texas first and the word started getting out and it's been really organic. I would say, I joke that Jesus is my publicist. Like he's the one that's really gotten things out and um, opportunities like this to visit with people like you. And um, I travel and speak and share my story a lot at churches and garden clubs and businesses and all the things, but it's just been fun. I feel like God is stirring this story in a lot of Mm -hmm. us. Um, The table is just at the forefront of a lot of people's thoughts. I love hearing that Jeff was talking about that in his talk. And um, so many people out there, it's kind of this cultural thing and it's nothing, it's nothing new. It's It's kind of like, not new. you know, Jesus was a food guy. He did a lot around the table. He did a lot with food. And um, I think our invitation is simple. We make it complicated. Mm -hmm. So uh, we can talk about that later, but I, right now, so we have a website, neighborstable.com. People can go on there, look at it, learn more about our tables, and then they'll send us an inquiry through the website. And basically, we just didn't want to click to purchase kind of thing. This, these tables are more than that. Not that there's a screening process, but we just wanted to get to know people. Right. So by doing that and sending an inquiry, they get to share their heart about like, oh, this is what I've been dreaming about. I've always wanted a table like this is exactly what I was looking for. We get to learn a little bit about them. And through that process, they get all the details of our tables and make sure it fits where they're you know, wanting to put it. And then we always ask for an optional thing. And we said, we'd love to see a picture of your family. Building our tables specifically for a family makes it really personal. So dad and I get to see those pictures as he's building. He knows exactly this table is going to Amber's family in North Carolina. These are her kids. Like we get to see that. So that's an optional thing that we just love to do. And then what we'll do is we'll load up a truck, a box truck that I rent. And I'll plan a route. Let's say we're going to Charlotte. We'll go across Mississippi, Louisiana, Georgia, like all the way over there. And anyone along that way that's ordered tables will deliver along the way. So I actually deliver the tables myself. It's a really inefficient way of doing business, but it's the way I want to do business. It's about people, remember, to me. So when I show up, um, I invite people to say, you know, community starts when the truck shows up. So have your friends, your family, your neighbors there, and we'll unload together. Um, a lot of times if kids are there, I'll have them hold the screwdriver. Or we'll, we'll assemble together, and they always love that. And then we'll flip those tables over and have that first meal together. And wow. It's always really fun to just make a big deal about that family that's getting the table. Usually, if you're the first invite to the table, you're pretty special to that family. And I just love getting to know those people. So some people, you know, our table seat 10. A lot of people will get to. Um, There's sometimes an intimidation, like, I've never cooked for 10. I've never cooked for 20. And if I can help with that process of really trying to simplify things, I like being there to help with that process. So it's always a blast. And then I fly home. Once I'm finished delivering, the fun is over. And I'm like, get me off this track. And I'll fly home. And so you've rented the truck and you just drop it off at... A local, a rental place. That's so fantastic. 
Yeah. So next month I'm headed to the East Coast and the West Coast. It happens to be kind of one of those months. So summer's always a little bit busier and always more fun. So. And now is your dad in the area with you now? Okay. That's a great question. So my dad, we grew up in Houston and about three years ago, dad sold the house that we grew up in and now lives at our property just South of Austin. And that's where we have the barn and he lives there full time now. And that's where we build everything. So it's still a good three and a half, four hours from me. Yeah. Um, So it's quite a commute to work when I go down there. So dad still builds every table and I do a lot of the sanding and the finishing on those tables. So I'm involved too, but we're about to hire out and help get some people to help dad. And Right. Because as you grow, I mean, it's so great to keep it personal. But like you said, you can only do so much when you're yes. two people yes. until eventually yes. you have to have some help. Yeah. Yeah. And dad's almost 70. Wow. So he, he thought he was retired. So we might try to scale him back a little so he doesn't have to work as hard. But we've We've had a blast. So. Yeah, even though he'd probably miss it. That's what I've learned with my father-in-law oh, and yeah. my dad. I'm like, you think you want to be retired, but <laughs> totally. I think you're bored. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, my dad was like coat and tie city guy in the big office building for his career. And then he kind of had this retirement phase. And then we got him. we got him back out of retirement. So I think he'd like to enjoy some of yeah. that, but. It's be good able to, to at busy. least rest a little bit. Yes, yes. So, Well, you shared on your website back in 2017 that you had three sticky notes that were on your bathroom mirror. And of course, I want to know if they're still there. But um, yeah, what is the are. significance of these notes? I'm going to tell people what they are. One says, strong God, I'm watching you do it. The second one says, his pace is perfect. And the third one says, throw it hard and throw it well. So you say they are still there. They're still there. The first one that got up there was strong God and watching you do it. And I think I have learned that God writes our stories. And when I'm doing the thing he's made to do, there's a lot of joy in that. And I've seen a lot of grace in my life. And some people call it favor. Like I've just watched God do this. Mm -hmm. And it started out from a place of me being a mess Mm -hmm. and me wanting to find rest in Christ. And when we rest, we watch God do things around us. So strong God, I'm watching you do it. Came from a verse in Psalms in the message version that just popped out at me. And I was like, well, I'm going to scribble that on a note card. So it's still on my mirror. Your pace is perfect, I think, or his pace is perfect. A lot of times I looked around at people that were entrepreneurs and taking Mm -hmm. off and there's this huge hustle and this huge thing. And I'm actually a pretty slow person when it comes to pursuing things. Maybe, maybe there's fear. I feel like I'm just more thoughtful and like Mm -hmm. wanting to make sure I'm doing what God wants me to do. And also that I'm equipped to do that. And it's in my wheelhouse and all that. So Amber, it took me four years to even get a website up. Like that's when I say like my pace I just want it to be his pace. So a lot of people will look at that and go four years there like that. But I was in a full-time job, like to have a website felt more legit, like all this stuff. And so the timing of it was just great. So I trust that God's pace is perfect in my life. So that's a reminder for that. I do think that most of us have that like inner feeling. And I think that some people that like inner, oh my goodness, this makes me feel too anxious. 
And if yeah. it makes you feel so anxious, like you said, it's it's probably not time to put the website up. Whereas some people, yeah. it's just they're go-getters. It's like, yes. I'm all in. And when I'm all in, you know, I'm pedal to the metal. Whereas even yeah. saying those words make me feel stressed out. So. <laughs> yes, yes. But that brings me to that third note, throw it hard and throw it well. Like when we do decide yeah. that God's calling us to something, like let's put our best out there yeah. and let's throw as hard as we can. Let's throw it well. When we put that website up, like let's do it well. Let's honor God with the things yeah. we are putting our hands to. So um, anyways, those are just some things that stood out to me and they're on, people ask when they're at a dinner party and go to the bathroom, they're like, Hey, I liked your notes or whatever. So I love maybe it. it can encourage other people, but they've been there forever just as a reminder for me, you know, what's important and what I need to be reminded of. Yeah. I mean, such a great, I mean, those are just great reminders for me. So I, I remember reading that and thinking, I just want to know, I kind of want to know the backstory to this. Yeah. So I'm glad yeah. that you shared it with me. We end our show with a couple of questions, and you were talking a little bit about grace. And so my first question is, we all experience God's grace, but there are seasons in our lives where we just, I mean, we really have to cling to that grace with everything we've got. Is there a season in your life that you could share with me where you felt like you really had to just cling to the grace of God every moment? So uh, the first one that comes to my mind is is fairly recent in the last two years. So when I left my job, my full-time job that I'd been at for almost 12 years, that I had a company car, I had the paycheck every two weeks, and I felt like God was asking me to steward the, the story of Neighbor's Table, and I made that leap. There was a dark time where I just was like, oh my gosh, what have I done? What have I done? Um, I walked away from something I loved. It actually was a season that kind of projected me into a little depression. Mm -hmm. And there was days that just felt like, how long, oh Lord, like how long is this going to be? And I needed grace for myself. I needed God's grace to just cover me during that time. I mean, my closest friends just knew, like I reached out and said, I just need to be with people. I need to be with you. I need you to know what's going on with me. And it was a long, dark season that I got some great help around me, but it was a huge time that I wasn't confident in a lot of things, Mm -hmm. but I knew that God's grace was covering. And I knew in that season, he just wanted my heart. Like when I was saying, God, how long? I felt like he was saying, that doesn't even matter to me. Like, I want your heart in this season. I'm shaping you right now for something. And I knew that, but it was so hard. So God's grace totally covered me during that time. And luckily, like I can just see his hand. I can see his hand as I look back and I now know in a different way, like his hand can cover me and that grace can cover me. So, well, and I hear you say a couple of things there that are just so important that I want to make sure that our listeners here, number one, telling somebody that's close to you and asking them to come alongside you is just so valuable, you know, somebody that will support you that you can be honest with and say, like, I'm struggling, I need your prayer. And then also, when you get to the other side of something, and you see that God has been faithful, that looking back, wow, doesn't it propel us forward? So when you face something the next time, you can say, okay, I remember when I was crying out and saying, Oh, Lord, how long and you saw me through it. Yeah, you know, you'll be faithful again. Totally. Um, And then secondly, 
What's an area of your life where you feel like you need to pour out grace to others more? You know, I think I obviously have a lot of that in my life. I I need to, (laughs) uh, there's so many areas that need grace. This is really vulnerable, but I, I would say with my dad, you know, when we work so closely together, he's going through some health things, which make working a little slower and things like that. It's so hard to be in like work mode and daughter mode. And I never want to confuse those. Mm. And so there are a lot of moments that I need some more grace Mm -hmm. um, for myself and the way that I'm handling things and for him as well. So I love my dad and he does so much for me. But Mm -hmm. uh, going back to like doing and being, there's a lot more about being than doing. So I need grace to remind myself of that. Yeah. Well, and then also it's, there's a big difference between working, having the relationship with your dad, and then there's the aging parent. So there's almost even another element in there that, oh. Totally. Awesome. (laughs) Well, lastly, I know that you have a niece. How old is she now? Oh my gosh, 18 months. I'm obsessed. Well, I was going to say, our listeners may not know because you may not follow Sarah, but she posts about her niece very often and she's totally adorable. So if you had the opportunity to sit down with her, let's just say she's, you know, in her early 20s, getting ready to launch out into the world. What's some wisdom that you would like to share with her? You know, I wish someone had told me, uh, you know, as a kid that, It's not all important. Mm -hmm. I think those words, I think I grew as a child and into a teen and wanting to do my best and striving, but I wanted to do it across the board. And I would encourage her that there's certain things in our life that are really important, Mm -hmm. but it's not all important. And to pick those things and hopefully faith is one of those. Oh my gosh, Amber. This week, my sister sent me a voice recording of little Kylie at 18 months singing Jesus Loves Me. Is it not the sweetest thing? I did not even know she could put sentences together, much less sing a song that dear. And I'm like, if she would only know, that's an important thing. You know, knowing your faith. I can't wait to see who she becomes, but... I'll be there to remind her, like, there's things that we can focus on. There's other things that it really doesn't matter. So hopefully, as I walk with with her in her life, that I'll be able to remind her of that. I don't know. We all stress about so many different things, even when it comes to gathering. You know, like, we stress about how our food looks or tastes or how our table looks. And it's really about the important thing there is the people around the table. So Every situation in life, we stress about a lot of different things, but it's not all important. So good, because we even had people at our house this weekend, and it's it's interesting because most of the time, people don't even care about yeah. most of the things that we're concerned about. Yep. That's not even what they care about. They just want food and people around. Totally. <laughs> and most totally. of the time, they don't even care what the food looks like. As long as totally. it just tastes decent and there's people around to hang out with, people are happy. Yes. Well, Sarah, thanks so much for being here today. We can find you at neighborstable.com. And then what about on social media? Is that also under Neighbors Table? It is. And you just mentioned my posts about Kylie, and that's under my personal account on Instagram, which is Sarah underscore Harmeyer. Well, I am so grateful for our conversation today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's just fun to think about Grace and 
think about just how God's given us that abundantly. Thanks, Amber. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Be sure to check out the show notes for links and resources at graceenoughpodcast.com. Be sure to head over to Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or Google Play and subscribe. Clicking that subscribe button helps to make sure you never miss a new episode of the Grace Enough Podcast. If you share the show on social media, be sure to use the hashtag Grace Enough Podcast or tag me at Grace Enough Podcast underscore Amber on Instagram and Facebook. Thank you for listening to the Grace Enough Podcast. Tune in next time.